We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. I am Justin Van Zuden. We'll be hosting the program for you, as I do pretty much every week. And we recognize that we might have some more uh, viewers out there than we normally do. We're making this a a free promo video this week. Uh, We got the uh, 200 thumbs up on the Grinders Live basketball video on Tuesday night. So uh, making this uh, a free video for this week so you all can check it out. Uh, We think you'll like what we have to offer if you're playing some DFS golf lineups and a lot more eyes on the DFS golf landscape this week with the NBA uh, heading towards the all-star break. So a good week to make some lineups. Check out this video for free. 
Uh, and if you like it, hopefully we can uh, convince you to get yourself a Roto-Grinders premium subscription and you can check us out uh, every week. But if you're watching on the YouTube stream, give us a thumbs up. Appreciate that very much. Uh, we'll try to take some questions throughout the show, maybe towards the latter half of the program, uh, if anybody has any questions while you're watching live. So uh, keep an eye on the chat. As we get to the latter portion of the program, I'll uh, start to uh, scroll through there as we dissect the golf tournament uh, a little bit. So uh, we'll bring in my two co-hosts as well. We'll recap last week's tournament quickly, and then we'll dig into a fun tournament this week at uh, Riviera. So that's the landscape we have for us uh, this week, and appreciate you checking us out. We'll bring in my first co-host, as always, Mr. Derek Farnsworth. You know him better as Notorious in the Roto-Grinders community. Derek, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Uh, I'm really excited that the uh, three-course rotation events are no longer in play. Um, I just got hammered last week. My main lineup had one of six through the cut. My MMEs, I think I, I didn't have any six of six. And, uh, yeah, it was just ugly all around. Hopefully you guys did a little better than I did. Well, I was telling Drew before uh, you logged on that uh, I had about a half an hour uh, discussion in my brain um, about whether or not my last uh, main lineup piece should be Keith Mitchell or Jimmy Walker. And uh, Keith Mitchell on Poa scared me a little bit too much. I think Drew made a really good case for Walker on the the, the show last week. And uh, so I'm going to blame Drew for the fact that I ended up playing Walker uh, in all seriousness, though. It was a tough call. I still played Walker or I still play Mitchell on some of the uh, lower dollar teams, but not playing my boy Keith Mitchell ended up costing me about 12 grand. So uh, that was a little sting last week for me as well. Ended up being a little bit of a loss uh, for me last week. Not a total dud, but uh, always stings when you realize that uh, you could have had a pretty good lineup, had Nick Taylor on that lineup and uh, just didn't work on, uh, on the weekend. And uh, you know, Hey, that's, that's what DFS golf is. Sometimes we saw carnage on Sunday. Uh, those of you that had a lot of players who went six, seven, eight over par, uh, that happened to a lot of guys on Sunday. So I uh, do have to give some props to our other co-host, Drew Matthews. We'll bring him in now as well on the Phil Mickelson call last week. Uh, it was another uh, good one. Two weeks in a row, you've had a pretty good uh, off-the-radar play at about 5 uh, or 6% ownership. So a nice call on Phil last week. And uh, how you doing? Yeah, doing good. Um, I'll take the blame on Jimmy Walker as long as I get the blame for uh, <laughs> Phil Mickelson. Uh, I think I think the uh, course narrative kind of worked out, though. You look at Streelman, Mickelson, and Day all finishing in the top four. Um, that narrative worked out, but Jimmy Walker obviously was not a good piece of that. Um, quick shout-out to Dan Kramer. It took all of two minutes for him to show back up and uh, say, hey to, <laughs> say hey to us and try to take our money somewhere. Um, but, yeah, doing good. I'm glad the course rotations are done. It's, it's not that much fun, I think, for casual fans to watch. Um, obviously not having shot tracker on every single golf course. And then uh, a course like last week where there was so much – carnage especially sunday uh there were some crazy high scores it was you know really tough if you had four or five or six and you thought maybe you could sneak in a cash and you went backwards even further so looking forward to moving into riviera a pretty strong event for the pga tour and uh going into the major season coming up pretty quick for us yeah it's amazing how fast the calendar goes by and uh we're sitting here already in the middle of february and so you start to see the fields get stronger as we get to the uh, next few weeks and head towards the players championship in march uh, and that's what we have this week at Riviera as well. We'll start digging into that in just a second. But, uh, Derek, I know your DFS lineups may not have been the best last week, but any other uh, takeaways from the event other than just happy that it's over? Yeah, like Drew mentioned, uh, definitely a win for course history truthers. Uh, yeah, Day, Nicholson, Stroman on the top four, and then even, you know, Matt Jones had really good course history. Jordan Speed, who uh, I liked on the show and then didn't end up playing. 
Um, just a bunch of guys in the top 10 that always play well at this event. And, you know, I went with the other guys that <laughs> I thought were good course fits, but clearly uh, didn't pan out for me. So, yeah, I mean, it's just hard with those three courses. You don't have any shot link data, so you're kind of guessing on what type of golfers are going to play well there. And uh, it's just ugly. I'm, I'm excited for this week. Strong field. And, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Tiger's back. <laughs> a really good uh, event uh, this week, and we'll break it all down here for you over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Uh, Drew, anything else on uh, last week for you? No, it's, it seems how how polarizing we can go from one tournament with course rotation, kind of a weak field, to this and uh, seemingly you know major pricing. You got guys that were almost 9K in the 6K range this week. So definitely a different type of value right up this week. And uh, I think it's more fun for casual fans. And I think that's reflected in the contest. So obviously being a free show, hopefully a lot of people check out the contest. There's a lot to be had this week. Yeah. Huge tournaments on DraftKings this week. Uh, they've got an 800 K prize pool with a $20 entry that pays 200 K to first. Uh, first time we've seen more than a hundred K to first in a, you know, in a tournament of that caliber uh, for a non-major in, in quite some time. Uh, maybe since last year's Players' Championship uh, or one of the playoff events. It, it doesn't happen very often. So uh, big tournaments all over. There's a $100 buy-in tournament with 100 k to first on DraftKings this week. Uh, FanDuel's been ramping up their golf offerings a bit as well. They've got a $9 buy-in with 25 k to first this week and a $333 buy-in uh, with 20 k to first. So Lots of contests, lots of money to be won out there this week. And maybe a few more casual people dropping in lineups with no NBA to sweat uh, over the weekend. So maybe the, you know, the contest will be a little bit softer. Because um, basically over the weekend, your choices are uh, DGEN, the NBA All-Star Game, or XFL, or golf. So, uh, you know, we recommend uh, checking out the, uh, the golf contest. But we're a little bit biased there. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and move on to Riviera. The Genesis Invitational is the tournament this week. Uh, the first time it's moved to the invitational format, which simply means only 120 golfers in the field. This tournament has run with a 144 golfer field for the last several years, uh, down to 120 this week. So that weeds out a few golfers at the bottom uh, and makes top to bottom the field a little bit stronger than uh, what we've seen in the past. So uh, this tournament's been held here for a long time. I'll let the other guys tell you a little bit about the course. Uh, I'll start with Drew. What do you think about uh, Riviera hosting this week? Yeah, so obviously this golf course, um, the driving distance is, is pretty low. I've heard some people have some takes that like, if you look at the leaderboard for the last couple of years, uh, driving distance looks like it's pretty important for the profile of the player. Um, and I think that's probably mostly true, um, kind of chicken or the egg theory, where the best players in the world are playing and they tend to rise to the top. You, you take a Bubba, um, for an example, J.B. Holmes last year is kind of a coincidence, I think, because he did a lot of it with the putter. Um, but I do think this week I'm really focusing on um, obviously irons and approach. I'm looking more at, you know, traditional stats like weighted green and regulation. And to be honest, when the fields get this strong, I kind of tend to lean a little bit more Vegas to give me some differentiation um, throughout the top of the range. Cause it, it does get very tough to differentiate those guys uh, if we're being completely honest. So for me, it's going to be a very standard week. I'm not using a off the tee, um, not using driving accuracy, driving distance at all. It's going to be mostly, approach and irons and then weighing in Vegas a bit more than a normal week. All right, Derek, your thoughts on that? Yeah. If you're not weighing off the tee, you're going to end up with my team from last week. Uh, <laughs> had five <laughs> or six missed cuts, uh, the Knoxes of the world and Ferex. But uh, yeah, I mean, I agree for the most part. I do think uh, off the tee is important just because 
Uh, you want to give yourself a chance on all these par fours. Um, I think there's six or seven of them that measure between 450 and 500 yards. And uh, the shorter irons you have in, the better. Um, I will note, though, that the last few years, it's been a little bit more uh, wet, the conditions, than uh, we're expecting this year. So maybe that kind of played into the bomber's angle a little bit more. Um, so I do think it'll be a little bit firmer than we've seen. So, yeah, I won't be, you know, hugely uh, factoring in stroke skate off the tee, but it'll definitely be a weight in my model. Agree with the approach. Uh, but I think bogey avoidance is going to be critical as well. It's a really tough golf course, classical. Um, typical California course with Poa greens. Um, so if you like putting splits, you can look at those. And then, yeah, it should be a fun course. I mean, a lot of risk and reward holes, like number 10, drivable par four. Um, you can make anything from, a, you know, a birdie to a double bogey, just depending on, you know, where your drive goes. Uh, it's got all those tricky bunkers right around the green. And then it's got one of the shortest par fives on the PGA Tour um, that's going to give a lot of scoring as well. And uh, I've seen some course history indexes that this is the second strongest course for course history outside of Augusta National uh, on the PGA Tour. So definitely give a, give a good weight to uh, course history this week. I believe I still have a shot tracker snip saved from the time that Jordan Spieth <laughs> attempted to drive this green and made an eight um, <laughs> because he went from bunker to bunker yeah. uh, several times. And uh, yeah, it's a... <laughs> Derek says uh, birdie to double bogey. Um, I think anything <laughs> from an eagle to an eight, that's the, uh, that's the range. Uh, and if I was playing, you know, maybe uh, up to a 10, we just have to find out. But uh, yeah. And by the way, speaking of my range being from a two to a 10, how about uh, DFS uh, stalwart CSU Ram getting to play the pro-am with Tiger Woods uh, on Wednesday, uh, Derek, I, I mean, that should be you out there. <laughs> Yeah, pretty incredible. My <laughs> wife was asking me if I would like to do it. And I mean, I'd love to go walk the course with him, but to me shooting like 150, I don't think uh, Tiger would approve of that. So my nerves would get the best of me for sure. Um, but yeah, really jealous. I mean, he won the poker tournament, the Tiger Jam, I think like five years ago, and he didn't know if he was ever going to be able to uh, cash in on the round with Tiger because um, you know Tiger was obviously hurt at that time. So uh, it's cool to see it happening and uh, I can't wait to watch. Uh, I think some people are going to be live streaming it tomorrow on youtube <laughs> uh bring an extra pair of pants uh <laughs> if i was uh, doing that for sure uh all right um well i think we can go ahead and dig in that's the landscape this week i don't have anything to add on the course it's been around for a long time uh pretty remarkable that a course of this you know length and and caliber can withstand the test of time um, but this is one of the, you know, one of the longstanding venues that's been used on the PGA Tour and pretty much universally liked. You don't see a lot of people coming out uh, bashing Riviera. So should be a fun tournament, strong field. And we'll go ahead and start digging into the golfers that we have this week and uh, plenty of options at the top. No shortage of big names in this field. You've got guys like McElroy, uh, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, DJ at the top this week. Uh, Tiger Woods pretty aggressively priced at 10-4 on DraftKings, one of the five highest options uh, in a loaded field. So, uh, Derek, I know you're a big Tiger fan. How do you handle him in this strong field with that price tag being elevated? Yeah, I don't know. You know me. Uh, I'm the biggest Tiger homer there is. Um, at the beginning of the week, I didn't want to play him. But uh, as I saw ownership and uh, just a couple other things, I, I like him a little bit. looks like he's going to be under 10% owned in most contests and probably even lower than that in some of the high-stakes stuff. But, I mean, he made his PGA Tour debut here when he was 16. Um, Sam Snead was there. Uh, I saw an interview today with him uh, from that tournament. And he's never won here. Um, how cool would it be for him to get his win to pass Sam Snead at the tournament that he's never won at? 
Um, I know everyone's talking about his course history, but it's not that bad. I mean, it's just all top 20s. I think he's had like one or two miscuts mixed in there. One of them when he when he was uh, dealing with that back injury. So I like him. I'm not going to you know recommend him as a play because um, you can't go wrong with anyone above 10K. Uh, you have Rory, Rom, and Thomas. You kind of feel like the winner is going to come from one of those three. Uh, all three of them probably in the best form of any three golfers in the field. Uh, Rory's number one in the world now. Rom's had 10 straight top 12 finishes. JT has three wins and nine events. So yeah, take your pick up top. I'll probably have exposure to all of them. The guy that I'm going to be underweight on is the guy that's probably going to be the most popular, and that's Dustin Johnson. It's not that I don't think he can win here. Um, I just don't know where his form's at right now. Uh, you know, we saw him almost win in Saudi. Missed a lot of short putts last week. He only has two top 20s in his last 11 events on uh, worldwide, and I don't know. I know the course history is great, but if I'm paying a premium for a guy, I want everything to line up, and I just feel like something's missing with DJ. All right. Drew, agree or disagree? I mean, you can agree that uh, you can't really go wrong with anyone up top. I, I'll actually uh, – my leans up here, just kind of get those out of the way. Um, initially, it's JT. I think at 11K for JT is a fair price. And then between the Rory and John Rom situation, um, I was hoping – or at least what I have, I have Rom and McElroy coming closer in ownership. It looks like Rory's, you know, 8% higher. So, um, But Rory's still my lean over Rom. Rom's probably going to be a guy X out. But DJ, I'm going to take the, the take on DJ with him recovering from knee surgery. He's more on the up and up than, you know, using the last, you know, 10 events or whatever he's played. So, like, you look at last week and he played terrible on Sunday. I think he shot 78. Uh, yeah, 78 on Sunday. You look at his stats throughout the week. I mean, he was like 700 on the par fives. Like, it's kind of back to normal DJ in my opinion. So, for me, um, at his ownership, if people are really that deterred at 10K – I, I could see him if he was healthy being closer to the JT prices. So I'm good with that. Um, I do like the Tiger Woods call for sure. I actually think even with him, you know, kind of having a mixed record here at Riviera, I think he plays his golf course a bit differently than um, he would on a longer track. So I, like you mentioned, kind of emphasizing off the tee, I do think it changes the guy's concepts um, off the tee for here. We look at the scoring for hole one, um, hole 10, and hole 11, I think was like the majority of the birdies and eagles made um, for the event last year, the last couple of years. So I do think Tiger's really interesting at 10-4. So for me, um, Rom's probably the one, it's it's not an easy X out, but he's the one that I have least interest in, um, shockingly, of all these guys. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, um, but you know, it's hard to find a reason to not like, you know, you're, you're, you're splitting hairs yeah. trying to find a guy that you don't like up here. And I found myself with less interest in Rom, but I don't really have a good reason for it. You just can't play everybody um, mm -hmm. at, at these high price tags. And, you know, Rom is very expensive. Rom and Tiger, um, you know, with the other guys around him, Thomas with his win equity and, and Rory uh, with his, you know, seemingly top five finishes almost every time he tees it up right now. It's just finding the guy that you think it's a, it is a little better. And I think those options are, are just a little better uh, on a points per dollar basis than somebody like Rom this week. But uh, again, splitting hairs, if you like Rom, don't let that uh, be the uh, talking point that, you know, absolutely deters you away from playing him. So um, any other thoughts on that range before we move along? Derek, you got anything else? Honestly, you could let ownership decide between those guys and go from there if you're building a bunch of lineups. Um, or you can just take an even weight stance on all of them. I mean, they're just all such good plays that I don't really have any strong takes up there. Um, I have my personal preferences because I like Tiger, and 
I think is a good spot for Roms uh, at that ownership, but there's really no nothing separating, or at least nothing big enough to separate that. Ball. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and try to uh, move down the ladder a little bit then and see if we can find some of those differentiation plays. Uh, we move into the 9K range. It's been the year of Bubba Watson in 2020. If you would have told me a month ago that Bubba Watson was going to be $9,600 after spending like a year in the 7Ks, $9,600 and 18% projected owned, I would look at you like you're a crazy person. Uh, Alas, that's what we're sitting at this week because Bubba has great course history. This is a notorious Bubba track, and Bubba's been playing really well for the last month. So ever since Derek's wife played him, uh, on a uh, roster, you know, a few weeks ago, it's been the year of Bubba. So, uh, Derek, need you to go ask uh, ask her if she's playing Bubba this week. Yeah, I'll have to ask her. Look, I hate the price. I hate the ownership. Uh, but I do think he has a lot of win equity here. He's won here every other year, um, all the even years, uh, the last three, uh, or the last six years, so every other year. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's going to make my single line of build. Um, I think he's a much better MME type of play because he's going to be highly owned and you can create leverage by fading him, but um, if he wins, you're going to have to have him regardless of ownership. Uh, he's obviously a great course fit. He's gained at least seven strokes, ball striking each of his last two events, and this is a Bubba track. He always plays well on Bubba tracks, and he plays well in even years, and we got both of those this week. Check and check. Uh, boy, I have trouble playing. I had trouble playing him at 9K or whatever it was uh, last no. week or 8,500 <laughs> the week before. Uh, it's It's just a meteoric rise in the price. All right, Drew, you playing Bubba? Probably not. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had enough hot takes the last couple of weeks. I'm, I'm probably due to get one wrong. But, I, I mean, in a normal situation where Bubba was going to be under run or something like that, then, yeah, I, I'd jump aboard. Like, I would play Bubba here if he was coming in with bad form. It would be a good leverage spot. But uh, with him playing well, uh, he's priced up. People are going to jump aboard. Uh, this is a spot for me where normally I'll pump my brakes and, and kind of go elsewhere. Approaching 20%. And, again, it's so spread out here. And I know we have a probably a bunch of new – uh, PGA DFS players, you know, you, you talk about stars and scrubs, you talk about balance. You could pretty much go any type of build you want this week and feel pretty comfortable with your construction. Um, so there's plenty of other avenues if I exclude, you know, one guy in the 9K range. So for me, if, you know, Derek kind of mentioned it, you let ownership kind of drive you a little bit with these stronger fields. Brooks is a one for tournaments that I'm really looking at. And then Xander at 9,200 stands out quite a bit to me. I mean, I, I don't know if there's anyone that's had more top fives in the last year and a half or so besides like a Rory or a, a JT than Xander. And, and you look at how he's played this event and how he's led into it around the green has been pretty key as one of the key stats that Noto mentioned. Um, there's very few that are better tee to green and including around the green than Xander. So for a guy, um, you know, priced down here, I think Adam Scott gets some love. I, I'm totally fine with that. But when you look through this range, the ownership is really, you know, navigating towards Bubba. And, that, and for me, that's probably an X. Yeah, I uh, agree on Xander. Put him in my article this week. I think, you know, and you can debate the merits of motivational angle. And, you know, you, you can make the stats say what you want them to say if you pick the right angle almost every time. But if you look at the last two years, nobody seems to pick up the you know their their energy level and their play for big events more than Brooks Kepka and Xander. And I know this isn't a major, uh, but if you if you took the majors out of the equation and said, you know, what are the four next biggest events of the year, um, you know, the players would be in there and this would be one of the next, you know, it'd be the next tier. 
And you look at the strength of this field, the fact that it's an invitational, a, a classic course, and Xander's here, played here twice. I believe he's come top 15 both times. This guy gets up for big events. He always has. And I know he, he missed a cut. Uh, was it in Phoenix a few weeks ago? Or one of his last two events, he missed a cut on the number. Um, then the other one was, you know, 16th or 18th or something like that. So the, the form coming in isn't, you know, Rory-esque or, or Justin Thomas-esque or anything like that. But uh, this is a guy that gets up for big events. And, and I think that, you know, at least in a tie-breaking scenario, makes him appealing this week um, amongst some of his peers in that uh, salary range. So, um, Derek, any other 9K thoughts uh, from you outside of Bubba there? Yeah, really strong range. I think a lot of people are going to start lineups here um, just because we do have like major pricing where everyone feels sort of priced down. So starting with the second tier superstars kind of makes a lot of sense because you can play three of them rather than, you know, just one guy up top. Uh, I do like the Xander call. I have eight stats in my model this week and he's top 15 in all of them. He's the only golfer uh, in the field, top 15 in all of them. So I like Xander. Uh, he's from Cali as well. I like Tony Finau. You know, he probably should have won in Phoenix. Uh, he's got good course history here. Anytime he's not on Bermuda, uh, I like his chances. Uh, Adam Scott has a great course history. We haven't seen him in a while, but he did win his last time out at the Australian PGA Championship. I think he's going to be pretty popular. Love Hideki. Uh, he's probably top three around the green uh, in this field. And then he's you know one of the best with his approach game as well. He has been losing strokes off the tee, so if you can correct that a little bit. I think he's in a pretty good spot. He has three top 11s in his last four events. And then, you know, can't go wrong with Cantlay either. So really strong range. Uh, but how crazy is it? I mean, Brooks Kepka, $200 cheaper than Bubba in a great field. And he's half the ownership and nobody still, I still don't want to play him. Right? It's, it's so weird. Yeah, it is. It's odd. Uh, just, you know, guys coming off injury. And it's, it's not a major. It doesn't have to be major level for Xander to get up for it. It has to be a major <laughs> level for Brooks to get up for it. So we're not there yet. Um it, uh, all kidding aside, yeah, it's just crazy the way that uh, Bubba has risen over the last couple of months or over the last month and a half. Um, then, of course, you got Finau there at uh, at 9,100. That will certainly soak up uh, some ownership there. So just to recap, I know we got a lot of new viewers uh, this week. Uh, again, Talking Golf, Genesis Invitational, big tournament this week. Um, another couple general reminders if you uh, follow along with the other sports here on RG. We've got the FanDuel single entry series going on right now uh, in hoops. So uh, check out the FanDuel lobby, get your lineups in uh, for the single entry series that uh, started a, a week or so ago. So uh, we've still got that going. We've got the sharp side promo going uh, for your lock bets. You get a streak, you get some free money. Uh, if you, you know, as you get uh, to a win streak of five, six plus. Uh, you got that uh, going for you. It doesn't cost you anything. So check out the uh, SharpSide app and uh, put in some lock bets on there. It doesn't apply as much to uh, golf, uh, but uh, the other sports, you can uh, you can get some some sweat equity on that uh, if you get a, a win streak going. So just want to mention that since we are making this a free video this week, uh, for those of you who might not uh, check out too much on the other sports, uh, some FYI content for you there. So uh, let's go ahead and dig back in the rest of this 9K range. We've pretty much touched on most of them here. Uh, we've got Matsuyama at 9,300. Uh, we've got Adam Scott at 9K, and we've got Finau at 9,100. All three of them probably going to get some ownership this week. As Derek mentioned, uh, it's a pretty strong range. You'll see people start lineups with two, maybe even three uh, players in this range. Patrick Cantlay in here as well at uh, 9,800. So uh, Drew, you got another favorite or two maybe out of that bunch that we haven't talked about? In the low 9K range? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, pretty much Adam Scott, uh, Xander, as I mentioned. And I do have interest in Brooks Kepka. It's, it's a combo of his price and, and ownership. But um, 
who knows what his attitude is this week. He could start off with a bogey on hole one and uh, just check out the rest of the week. But I, I will have a I do have a take on Finau. I I'm interested to see how he shakes out the rest of the year because I, I probably won't play him this week. And my my reasoning mainly is I think mentally <clears throat> mentally he's going to get dragged down a bit off losing that that lead in uh, Phoenix. So we'll see how it plays out. But my thought is for a guy like that, um, he seems like he's very like. Uh, self-centered a little bit like he's thinking a little bit of how he lost that and he hasn't won a tournament he's hearing all the rumors so for my take I'm going to be holding off on Finau at 9100 normally would be great and if you look at the box scores you know second place finish looks good but I do think mentally he had that thing in the bag and and losing it is more detrimental to his confidence in a tournament um, than just the stats would display so take that. Yeah, I was up two with he was up two with two to go and lost in a one bad. in the first hole playoff and you know, Webb made uh, – he didn't choke by any means, but Webb made an 18-footer on the last hole to, to force the playoff. And, I mean, then he's had a week to think about it. I, I think that's – I mean, I think that's a valid point, especially when you look at that ownership. I mean, the DFS community loves Finau. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting take. And, and I didn't know whether that was just, you know, recency bias on my part thinking about baiting him this week. But I didn't play him at that event either when he got second. Uh, and that was a, you know, that was a bad week. So part of that's just me doubling down uh, on that, but um, I, I like the call and I'm glad that somebody else mentioned it other than me, you know, sounded like sour grapes mentioned it, but uh, Derek, you got a Fino take? I don't, uh, I like him, you know, we have to build stories for, you know, why we like players, why we don't. And, you know, you, I, it certainly makes sense to me that, you know, maybe he's thinking a little too much and, little dejected um i was just pulling up his game log so the last few times he's taken second uh next events are 26th 27th 4th 36th and a miscut so pretty uh mixed results nothing yeah. but uh, but I'd, he wasn't up to with two to play uh, yeah yeah how, how it happened i think might might matter we'll see how it plays out i, I to his I'll, credit I'll, he didn't choke he just webb just birdied the last three uh, kind of but crazy i finish. i so on that topic though, I do think when he was on 16, when he walked up the green with the Kobe Jersey, like he had the attitude that it was done. Like I'm with Kobe's with me. I'm doing this whole thing. Um, And for him to lose, I I do think um, he's, he he might be thinking a bit much. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out the rest of the year. Hoping, hoping he maybe wins a major or something, but uh, for this event with increased ownership, I think people see the stats and see the box scores. I'll, uh, I'll gladly take a, you know, take a seat and see what happens. All right. Well, the good news for Finau is that he's playing with Spieth, so he'll be like 50 yards ahead of him and in the fairway, and Spieth will be over in the trees. His confidence is going to be... <laughs> yeah, yeah he'll go right build, back up. That'll help build the confidence right away. Um, and then Max Homa's in that group, too, too, so Max Homa can tell him how awful his swing is. Um, and they can... Uh, they can. Have, if you're not familiar, Max Homa is uh, the uh, jokester swing quit critic on uh, Twitter that... Uh, it somehow just became a thing overnight. Everyone sent in their swing to Max Homas so he can make fun of him. A little Twitter shtick if you're not uh, familiar. All right, so let's go ahead and move into the 8Ks. Again, no shortage of options in here. Uh, we've got uh, Justin Rose at 8,500. Seems like he's going to be one of the more popular options. Uh, we've got Spieth and Mickelson in this range, Patrick Reed, Mark Leishman. So, again, strong golfers, guys we're used to seeing above 9K. Uh, and Spieth, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the biggest Spieth haters out there. That's obvious, uh, you know, for anybody who's read my content or watched these shows for a long time. 
but do have to give credit uh, where credit is due. Uh, his approach game has looked much better his last two tournaments. And uh, he played really, really well on Sunday. I believe the best round on the course there at uh, Pebble Beach. Chipped in for par uh, from the rough on his final hole and, and finished at minus five. So it, it at least made me pause and think about rostering him this week. And then I saw that he was 8.4K in this field, and I was like, nah, I can't, uh, can't do it this week. But uh, it'd be a week where I, I don't think you're necessarily doing it wrong if you decide to uh, board the uh, Spieth bandwagon. So, uh, Derek, last week you said it would take one really good ball striking week and, you know, everybody would start jumping on. So is this the spot to jump on? Well, uh, I don't get a lot of players right uh, more often than not, but I get speed right pretty often, and uh, I don't think I'll be playing him this week. Uh, just doesn't I don't, I don't like him on these big boy golf courses. You know, the Masters is one thing, really wide fairways, uh, but he's just going to have to hit a ton of drivers, and that just that scares me. I'll save him for the Texas swing. I'll save him maybe even for Augusta, but uh, yeah, I don't think I can do it. I mean, it seems like Spieth, Mickelson, Leishman, Day are all just overpriced. They've had one good tournament each, and all of them are. I wouldn't even pay 7,500, I don't think, for most of these guys. So uh, with so much talent in the 9Ks, so much talent in the low 8Ks, I don't think I'll get to any of those four. All right, this is your range, Drew. You called Phil last week. <laughs> You're getting these five, six, seven percenters in this mid-range right. Uh, so is it back to the well with Phil, or you got something else up your sleeve in this 8K range? No, no, Phil. Unfortunately, I think this range, I'm going to eat some chalk um, towards the low end. But I will say, Speed, I think, played in the favorable weather on Sunday. I think that helped a bit. Um, it still doesn't compute to me, though. Every single tournament he plays in, it seems like he's chipping in and making a ton of birdies, yet his ball striking um, – or I'm sorry, yet the tournaments that he's playing well in are these, like, lower scoring events. Um, I'm not really understanding it. So, I'm with Derek. I'm going to sit out on Speed. I'm not interested – uh, at the top of the range, though, Leishman probably has the most interest. I know he was um, – when he won Farmers, he gained like five or seven strokes putting, something like that. But he, he, his irons were pretty solid. So he has a mixed bag of course history here. I'm, I'm willing to go back to it um, at the top of the range. Reed, I might throw into some GPPs. If you look through um, his last six events, I think he has four top tens in his last six, and that includes over there in Dubai and Saudi Arabia. Um, his course history here is – you know, minimal, but it's not good even in those events. But I do think he's kind of in that um, ballpark where he's just playing at a different level. And I'm, I'm hoping he takes that into these courses where he hasn't played well in the past. But the chalk that I'm talking about eating is going to be at the bottom range. So Morikawa, SungJM, I think people um, that have been playing PGA DFS are familiar with. They're both going to be solid um, core pieces in my lineups. Morikawa for sure. Sungjae is kind of iffy on the putting, um, but I think at the price, it's hard to skip. But actually, answer is really interesting to me. 8,200 for him. Um, if you look at how he's played, kind of that same breath as Reed playing at another level. Since he won like, the Australian Open last like 2018 fall, um, he's been playing f- fantastic. He played great at the President's Cup. He, he capped it off early in um, the spring here. I think answer, Morikawa, Sung JM are, are great pieces as fillers in your lineups. And they're a pretty good price where you have some decent floors kind of built in there. Does the fact that a few of those guys maybe don't have the reps at this course, given that this is one where you generally see experience prevail, um, does that worry you at all? Or would you would you maybe pump the brakes on how many of those two or three golfers you put into one single lineup? Or is it just not a concern? No, it's a, that's a good point. Like, I think what they've shown is, you know, guys that have won here, usually they've played at least four times before. 
they won. I'm not too concerned with these guys. I think they're they're extremely good golfers, and I think they can play anywhere. The price also helps. If they were, you know, Morikawa's yeah. back up to that $9,200 price, maybe I'll pump the brakes there. Um, but I will say they play this course in college. There's some type of University of Cal tournament or NCAAs that they play here every other year, every year. Um, so they see the course enough times, um, or a few times at least. But I'm not too afraid of playing someone just because they haven't seen the golf course. It's if you kind of go off of that, some of these guys are going to be so much so thin. You're going off more recent form, which doesn't look great either. Yeah, good point. Uh, all right, Derek, I'll circle back to you. Who else are you looking at in the 8K range? Uh, looks like you've got a uh, tag on uh, Justin Rose there this week. Yeah, I like Rose. More of a pl- price play than anything. Uh, Rose is a guy that I never get right, so uh, that should be interesting this week. But uh, he's played well here in the past. Uh, I know I missed the cut his last time out, but he was the defending champ at Torrey, and he's just a solid all-around golfer. Uh, he was in pretty good form over on the Euro Tour before that. So 8500 for him just seems way too cheap. Uh, I like Rose. Definitely like the call on those three, Answer, Morikawa, Sungjae, um, just to back on what uh, Drew was saying. Um, answer, four top eights in his last five events, pretty incredible, um, plus the uh, President's Cup on top of that. So I definitely like that call. And he's seeing this for the third time, so um, you know, maybe don't worry about that as much. Morikawa, yeah, it does worry me that it's his first time, but even with that factored into my model, he's still the number one value um, of anyone in the field. So. I do like Morikawa. Sungjae, I like that he played it last year. I know he missed the cut, but um, he's actually coming off some rest too. Didn't play last week, so he should be ready to go. And yeah, I think that's it for me in the 8K range. But uh, I do like Rose, Answer, Morikawa, and Sungjae. And it looks like Answer and Sungjae kind of getting overlooked by everybody. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where ownership ends up shaking out in that range. Dan Kramer in the chat asking if Sungjae is a lock button on FanDuel with his price. So basically both FanDuel and DraftKings, Sungjae is priced uh, below the average dollar per golfer. So you get 10,000 10, per golfer to spend on FanDuel. He's 9,900 there. Uh, you get a little over 8,000 per golfer on uh, 8,300 or so on DraftKings. And he's 8K over there. So uh, again, as Drew kind of alluded to, it's priced in the fact that you know guys like Morikawa and, and M uh, haven't played here as much as some of your other top end options. So uh, really strong options on both sites. I don't think necessarily on a relative basis, uh, his price is that different uh, on one site versus the other, but um, you know, and FanDuel's caps a little bit looser too. So you can maybe make some different lineups over there. Uh, but uh, definitely a, a fine option on any site where he's discounted. I think Yahoo is the only per- site uh, where Sungjae's priced up. Your average is $33 over there, and I think he's 40 bucks. So uh, maybe not as good of a play on Yahoo, but uh, comparatively good value on uh, on the other sites. So I think we've nailed down the 8K range pretty good. Let's go ahead and move into the 7K range. I'll stick with Derek as we start this range out. Uh, Paul Casey, another guy who was a victim of the Sunday fade at Pebble with the uh, heavy wind. I believe he shot an 81 on Sunday. Not a great round uh, for him. Uh, but still plenty of names in here. You've got last week or last year's defending champion, JB Holmes at 7,700 uh, and some other fairly strong options. So uh, Derek, who are some of your favorites in this area? Yeah, well, am I missing something with Paul Casey? There's no way he's going to be 12% owned, right? Are, are you thinking that's that he's going to be lower than that? I'm higher. thinking double. Oh, I mean, okay. I was going to say, yeah, I think it'll be higher than that. I mean, every major, every WGC, Casey gets all the ownership. Um, he's always discounted due to all the star power in these lineups. I mean, I know he shot a bad round on on Sunday, but uh, he was in the top 10 for most of the week. 
He's never missed a cut here. Almost won here back in 2015. Hasn't missed a cut for uh, quite a while on the PGA Tour. So I don't really see uh, a reason to get off of uh, Casey. Even if he's going to be high-owned, I'll still play him at that price point. Um, but if he's 12%, uh, I would gladly take that. Don't have a ton of interest in Bryson. I just – I know he's working out and all that stuff. But <laughs> I, I I need to see the approach game come back. Uh, the last time we saw him, he gained like six strokes off the tee and then lost four or five with his approach game. So um, until the irons come back, I don't think I can play Bryson. Kuchar's a guy that I think you can play, like if you're doing single entry cash games. He's never missed a cut here, or maybe he's eight of nine here. Uh, no top, No finishes outside of the top 38. And he's sneakily been in better form. Uh, three top 20s in his last five events. Sergio has a lot of high finishes here. He's been in great form over on the Euro Tour. Not a lot of people will notice that if they're just looking at the game logs. Uh, coming off of three top eights in his last four events. And then uh, you have the course history guys and Holmes and Moore and Kevin Na. I'll probably pass on those three. Uh, I know Holmes has been in good form in the last three events. But I'll just trust the long-term form and hope it doesn't burn me. Kind of the same thing with Bubba, uh, like Drew was saying. You just you take your stand somewhere. Uh, I'll take mine against JB, and then the guy that get they'll give you all the leverage is Matthew Fitzpatrick. <laughs> the last time he was Uber Chalk was uh, during the Asian Swing. Uh, ended up finishing like dead last and came back was top five the next week. And last week he was popular. Uh, he was one of those guys that shot eight over on on Sunday. Now nobody's gonna play him. Looks like he's gonna be two or three percent. He's a world class golfer. Um, if you don't think off the tee is all that important, this should be a good course for him i think he just missed another fairway on uh on the on the 18 on sunday uh just now but uh have to see to see what the shot tracker says on that uh yeah fitzpatrick three percent uh and i don't disagree with that projected ownership i did put a message in our uh alerts uh channel for golf that uh the trio on the golf show agrees that we need to bump the uh, projected ownership a little bit on Paul Casey. So uh, real time uh, information transfer there <laughs> to, uh, to get Trey uh, maybe to bump Casey's ownership or perhaps state uh, why he disagrees that maybe he shouldn't be bumped. Uh, but I do think you'll see that uh, that needle move higher uh, than the 12% that we currently have him at as we head towards Thursday morning lineup lock. So uh, all right, Drew, your thoughts on uh, this range. Yeah, I'm pretty much 100% in line with uh, Derek. I My only kind of difference, I guess, is I'm a little less high on Casey. Uh, I, again, I, I do think his ownership will be higher, but I feel like his upside has been really capped of late. And for me, um, that that's a deal breaker in this type of field. I, I want to see somebody that's been playing um, at a higher level. He's only had four top tens since the U.S. Open uh, last summer. And that's worldwide. So for me, I'm probably going to skip out on Casey, but I'm 100% on the same page as far as Kuchar and GPPs and cash. I think he can fit in both. The consistency is there for cash and single entries. He's uh, finished inside the top 30 each of the last four years in eighth place uh, four years ago. He's seen the golf course plenty of times. He has upside and he's actually been playing a lot better. Like his, his approach numbers are climbing. He finished 16th of the waste management 38th last week. Um, and he this really wasn't a good course for him last week, to be honest. So that 38th was actually better than his um, typical average finish at uh, Pebble Beach. Sergio, like Derek said, um, I echo the same sentiments. He's been playing well over in Europe, so I have interest there. And in the rest of this top range, I, I don't have a lot of interest. Like, I took a double take on Ryan Moore in his course history. But even though I know you mentioned course history, this was, you know, one of the ones that had, you know, the highest correlation as far as prior history to future results. But – I don't really have a lot of interest in these guys. 
um, you know, right above 7,500. Yeah, it obviously starts to thin out at this range, um, especially since we've been talking about, you know, elite level golfers um, all the way, you know, all the way through. And you just, you get a few more question marks uh, when you get down to this range. I think my favorite, um, you know, is probably a couple guys at or below 7,500. We can talk about them yeah. uh, in a little bit, but, uh, and there's going to be some guys that are, are, are somewhat popular down there, but you're no, you're not getting any Uber 20%, 20 plus percent chalk probably uh, with any of the other golfers. But is there anybody else like above 7,500 Derek that you think is worth a shout? Uh, I don't think so. If Charles Howell counts, uh, he's at 7,500. I think he's very safe, similar to the Kuchar mold. Um, not a guy I'm forcing in there, but certainly fine as the last guy into my lineup. Yeah. And, uh, he hasn't played, uh, he hasn't played for a few weeks. Uh, pretty rare for him at this time of year to take, uh, you know, almost a full month off. So, uh, if that's got him rested and ready to go, obviously not sure what else was going on or if he played a, a, a secondary event or an overseas event that maybe I, I didn't catch, but um, you know, and then getting into the lower end of the uh, 7K range, Alex Norton was the guy I thought that was probably going to be end up being really chalky this week. I uh, did fade a bit on Sunday at uh, Pebble Beach, but still, uh, you know, a top 35 finish, which he's had in each of his last five starts. Uh, and he's down to 7,300. So well, that's a guy that I think you can play for, again, some safety. Not a lot of guys in this strong field that are going to have a ton of win equity at uh, at this low of a price tag. But uh, if you get a top 10, top 15 from somebody at under 7.5K, uh, then, you know, those are those are solid finishes. So uh, Derek likes Howell. I like Norin. Uh, any thoughts on those two or anybody else you might like in that 7 to 7.5K range, Drew? Um, yeah, well, real quick on the guys above um, seventy five hundred. So I, I do have a little bit of interest in Kevin Na. Um, it's it's just a GBP kind of pivot, I guess, off of anybody else in this mid range. And then I, I will note on the Fitzpatrick for I, I'll be playing him for obvious reasons. Of he will burn everybody that played him last week and doesn't play him this week. I think it was Derek was talking about the Zozo, um, yeah. and he was super popular. And I think he missed the cut or he, he played awful. Dead and then last. he was. Yeah, and he was like top five the next week at the uh, WGC or HSBC, whatever it was. Um, I, I mean, it's hard to say I expect that. He played pretty terrible on Sunday. But uh, this is those, you know, throw him in a GP people um, and you won't be kicking yourself while you played him at 99,000, whatever he was last week. And now you, you faded him at 7,700. Um, and then as we go down, you, know, you mentioned Alex Noren, I think is a, a really easy plug and play in probably all formats. But I, I like Neiman just a little bit more. Um, I like his upside. He, he obviously played really well here a couple years ago. He finished sixth, made the cut last year, finished 44th. Um, I, I really like his ball striking numbers. I, I don't mind Norn at all, but I, I think Neiman coming off a little bit of a break, um, I like his chances. And I assume he's going to be relatively close in ownership, maybe a little bit higher. But those are the two that really stand out for me. Um, in the low 7k range the guys that you normally could go to like a, a Rafa Keegan Adam Hadwin burned everybody last week I'll probably be passing on most of them and, and kind of being more selective in this range all right Derek you got anybody else above 7k yeah like Neiman like Norrin no issue with either of them uh Norrin's one of those guys that he could gain you know five strokes on and around the greens and if his ball striking shows up you know who knows what he could do Neiman I like that he played here last year uh and he you know, got that win uh, under his belt. So 
I think they're both solid options. If you want to pivot away from them, it does look like they'll be the most popular. But Keegan, uh, if you just look at ball striking here over the last uh, 24 rounds, he's number four. So, I mean, he's just – he can't putt or chip around these greens, but uh, the ball striking number's there, and he is making a lot of cuts here. Um, and then the guys that burned us last week, I mean, Knox, Hadwin, Rafa, all those guys are just going to have no ownership. If you get six or 8% of them, you can be overweight. And uh, I think they're all decent fits for the course. So I'll have a little bit. And finally, Kokrak has a good course history, kind of similar to Keegan. You just live and die by the, that short game. All right. We are approaching the last segment of the show whereby Derek gets to talk to you about Brian Harmon. So we'll be there in just a moment. <laughs> We're not there yet though, because he's Angrio. under 7K this week. <laughs> One of those two guys. <laughs> Uh, the chat is clamoring for some Carlos Ortiz, so everyone just can't wait for the uh, punt play, uh, punt plays of the week uh, to come across the wire. So we'll uh, we'll get to those in a second. We'll give our favorite values of the week, uh, and uh, might, might might well cover the seven K range. Drew, you got anybody else? No, same same deal with uh, Kokrak. I, th- I think that's totally fine. Wolves interesting seventy one hundred for him. Uh, has been playing good. Derek mentioned off the tees, you know, he's valuing, valuing that. I think maybe this can be, um, you know, regarded a little bit more on the second shot side of things. He might be interesting in, in GPPs, but outside of that, uh, Furyk ate enough of my money last week. And, uh, Corey Oh Connors man, what a putt, tease so. that was, by the way. Getting we all f- talked about him. So, I mean, we're all, we're all responsible. Yeah. No, it? I mean, he got up above yeah. the cut line and then bogeyed his last hole yeah, with par yeah. five. The par five. Yeah. yeah <laughs> on the bad. fairway. He didn't realize what the cut line was, and he realized, like, oh, I'm inside of it. i got to back up a minute. got to back up. I don't want to play in that wind tomorrow. Um, yeah, that sucked uh, for, for anybody who rostered him last week. So, yeah, and we all talked about him. But, uh, all right, Drew, I'll let you talk about your sub-7K options before we talk about Harmon. Yeah, Carlos Ortiz is probably going to get brought up. I wrote him up in my value article. Obviously finishing ninth here last year. He's played two years um, prior to that. Um Two times prior to that, it was three and four years ago, 26th place and 20th place. So pretty good course history um, in those limited results. And he's really been playing well. Like you talk about that fall swing. I think he had three top tens um, from the Sanderson through Mayakoba. I think he might have played poorly in Mayakoba. Um, one of those events he finished off poorly. But he's been playing extremely well. Uh, I think he's fine at 6,800. I have interest in Wyndham Clark off of last week. His approach numbers are actually climbing. And again, you're getting down to a range where you're more inclined to, uh, I don't want to use the word punt because I, I feel like it's still pretty solid values in this range. You don't necessarily have to punt anybody, but I want to kind of get some type of leverage. And uh, Wyndham Clark is one of those guys. Cameron Tringali probably pretty chalky and on most builds, 6,500 for him. Good course histories and playing obviously well long-term for the last 12 months um and then i have a couple you know really deep plays that we can talk about if we really want to talk about puns (laughs) you guys do not understand how angry i was the week that wyndham clark shot like 60 after i played him at like 0.2 percent ownership the week before and one percent ownership the week before that thankfully for my sanity he faded (laughs) on the weekend and you know ended up finishing in the 20s or something but still after all that, uh, after playing him at no ownership, uh, and then for him to to do that, that uh, it stinks when you're on a guy the uh, couple weeks too soon there. So, uh, oh well, I'm still a fan, but uh, I have trouble clicking that name in DFS. If somebody in the chat was asking, and I think this is a valid point, what to do with Nick Taylor? Um, you know, we, we all worry about guys coming off of a win. 
and he obviously played lights out last week, but he's still only 7,200. He's still going to be owned, you know, almost nil this week. Um, it just felt, felt like it was worth bringing up after, after the week that he had last week, wire to wire at uh, Pebble beach. He was leading after every round. So pretty impressive performance. Uh, even after a little bit of a slip there on Sunday, he righted the ship and uh, still won comfortably. So uh, Derek, any interest in Taylor? And then you can talk about your 6k options. I mean, Taylor's a guy that had a pretty high uh, pedigree, you know, in the amateur ranks, but I would like to avoid these guys coming off of uh, their first win or their first win in a long time, especially in these type of fields. So no Taylor for me. Uh, and there's a few guys at 7K exactly that I think are interesting. You mentioned Furek, um, eight and nine cuts here, all top 40 finishes. I think he's pretty safe. If you look at just approach, I mean, he's fifth in this field and first in green regulation. So if you like those numbers, uh, certainly don't mind Furek as kind of a safety valve. Uh, Corey Connors, Eric Van, Ru- Van Ruyen, both elite ball strikers um, that I think are going to get overlooked this week. Uh, Brian Harmon, always got to bring him up every week. He's got terrible course history, but the stats look pretty good. Um, I'll have some of him. Uh, and then Ortiz, I mean, he's obviously my favorite play down here, but I have a feeling he's going to be everyone's favorite play. And that ownership, if it, if it gets you know above 12 13%, I might have to rethink my stance just because uh, my number one rule is just to not play the uber chalk values. So. I like Ortiz. There's certainly nothing wrong with the numbers or, or anything, but volatile golfers uh, always make a case to fade those guys. Uh, moving down, Von Taylor after, you know, missing the cut last week, he's okay. Cameron Tringali, kind of the same thing. He's played a lot here over the years. I think they're both fine. Uh, and that's it for me. All right, Drew, you got a creative one? Yeah, I got two. I, I did forget JT Post, and I think he's – I also wrote him up in the value article. Um, he's only missed 15 cuts in his last 52 events and two made cuts here. 17th and 28th so um I think he's a little bit mispriced we'll see how that turns out but yeah so as far as punts go uh I have two one I want to take a stab on is Afa Barnrat shooting seven under Saturday I think can easily go overlooked when you see a miscut next to his name um 6400 for him nearly min price I'm you know willing to give it a shot here uh the other one that I'm interested in is uh Joseph Bramlett and he is 6,100, so certainly near min price. Not Jimmy Walker, who's also 6,100, I think, or 62. Not going back to that terrible horror story. Um, but yeah, jo- Joseph Bramlett. So he's played in every event so far in 2019. He played at the Sony, or sorry, he missed the waste management. Sony, Amex, uh, Farmers, and AT&T. He's finished 45th, miscut 45th, 18th. He's gained strokes approach in every single event. Um, as far as punts go, and he's kind of recovering. He was another one of those Nick Taylor, and not necessarily a prodigy, but he was big up in the amateur ranks and in college. Uh, 6,100 for him is worth a pivot um, or, you know, a punt versus, uh, you know, trying to pay balanced in GPP. So I'll probably pair him up with someone else cheap and try to get two or three studs, and uh, that should differentiate quite a few lineups. All right. Uh, And by the way, one of the guys that we've talked about quite a bit over the last few weeks, Mr. McNeely had a nice uh, run last week and I believe snuck into the top five uh, with all that carnage on uh, Sunday and a pretty good round himself. So a nice finish for him last week. And uh, that pretty much takes us through the field. It was, uh, it's a pretty loaded event with only 120 golfers Uh, still took us a good chunk of time to get through. Uh, That's how strong the field is and plenty of options to choose from at every price range. So uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye for this week. 
Uh, as usual, we'll recap the uh, upcoming uh, schedule here. We've got the uh, Puerto Rico Open and the WGC Mexico next week. Uh, a lot of times DraftKings has run uh, contests for both events. Uh, you would imagine the WGC Mexico will get uh, the lion's share of the GPP activity. Honda Classic the week after that. And then the Arnold Palmer uh, and the Players' Championship to start out the full month of March. So uh, plenty of high-profile events, big prize pools coming up, surely. And we appreciate you checking us out. Again, if you are watching on the free stream or on the YouTube channel, uh, please consider checking out a Roto-Grinders premium subscription. Gets you access to this show each and every week. All of our premium content for all sports and including all the PGA write-ups and videos uh, we think you'll like what we have to offer and appreciate you checking us out. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate that and uh, enjoy bringing this content to you each and every week. So for our producer, Devin, and for Derek and Drew, I am Justin. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you back here next week for the WGC Mexico. Till then, good luck. Take care.